Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, How to Sell Anything to Anyone, a problem-solving guide for sales managers, leaders, and people. In it, you'll discover how to become a problem solver and practice active listening to engage your buyers. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three three nine. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really looking forward to my conversation today with our guest. Um, we've had a couple of conversations already, and I just uh, have learned so much and really enjoyed speaking with her. She's the founder and CEO of 3x5 Coaching LLC, where she provides sales performance coaching and training based on the extensive career that she has in sales and sales leadership, um, working for uh, a lot of Fortune 500 and, and Fortune 1000 companies. She recently published a book called The Spirit of Selling, Using Universal Laws for Sales Success, and she is based in Jamison, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the show, Rhonda Petit. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so happy to be here. I really look forward to our conversation today, and I think that we'll, you know, I'll, I'll learn a lot. Our listeners will learn a lot. Before we jump into that, though, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. So uh, I am a sales and business peak performance coach. Uh, passionate about empowering people and individuals and organizations to unleash their untapped potential and power with passion so that they can do what they love. Um, Life's too short not to do what you love. And Mm -hmm. when we're in in the moment using our talents and our unique gifts, uh, we experience a lot of ease and flow and we can really serve others very powerfully. So uh, anything that I can do to help help people untap that potential. I think the more that we unmask our real, true selves with our unique gifts and give it to the world in a passionate way, uh, we're going to experience more joy, fulfillment, fun in our lives. And that's what we were designed to do. We're designed for success and designed to share our talents. Absolutely. That's, that's a really powerful message. And I think just anytime you're coming from a purpose that's so powerful, that's so um, inspirational, that comes out. And I've really seen that come out um, in both speaking to you and in reading um, your book. And so I'd love to just kind of jump in because you're you're talking about big topics here, right? Um, (laughs) So you focus on the universal laws of selling. Um, You know, no pressure, just universal. So I'd love to hear a little bit like what drove your interest in this topic? How do you start looking into this? I was, I've always read a lot of books, you know, from when I was little, um, I was reading Success Unlimited and would hear people like William Clement Stone and Napoleon Hill and Ogmandino and others talk about the fact that, you know, sales is one of the greatest careers and that we have all this potential locked up inside of us. And um, even, even from the standpoint of, um, you know, the going to school in a Catholic school and hearing the parable of the talents, you know, I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that when I got up to the pearly gates, I had really used mine and used them well. And then it, so, but for 20, the reason I wrote this book is I, I was not really introduced formally to these universal laws and how they apply to selling until I met Bob Proctor in 2019. And I went to a matrix event, which is a, uh, an event for, getting businesses started and um, introducing people to how they can 
uh, find multiple sources of income. And so long story short, I went to his, his program, uh, it was phenomenal in July of 2019, and then decided to become one of his consultants. And Bob just kept talking about all these universal laws and connecting them. And I really delved down to deep to study them and see how they applied to sales. And when I realized um, that and reflected on my career, when I was doing things and I was extremely successful, I was applying those laws and in rhythm and alignment with them. And when I failed, uh, I was not. I was going mm. in the wrong direction. And I said, man, if I would, because I started selling when I was 21. And I said, man, if somebody would have given me this book when I started and set me straight on how to do this, I could have done even so much more just because I would know that I was supposed to align with principle, not methods. And I think that was, that's part of the passion because I, in addition to that, I feel that when people get gain this understanding of how to apply universal sales laws to selling, we are going to create an ultimate buying experience. And the, you know, I love selling. I love the profession of selling. Nothing makes, you know, when people have these bad attitudes towards salespeople or they think people are salesy or pushy or something like that. Um, I want to, I want to change the world and, change people's perspectives of selling by, um, you know, talking to as many people about this as I can so that their job can become something they love, how they can serve people, help people in their transformation. And we ultimately change the buying experience. Absolutely. I, I kind of don't even know what to say after, after all of that, because it's, it is so powerful. And when you think about sales. Um, and this is this is really how you start your book. So I think this is a perfect setup for it. Um, there are so many misconceptions people have. And the misconceptions that people have drive the way people interact with sales. So if I hear somebody's a salesperson, I have misconceptions in my head. But they also drive the way people approach sales once they get hired to do a sales job and they they're acting from a place of misconceptions. So what are some of the, the big kind of eye-opening discoveries that you made of how you, how we think about sales that don't align with these principles of where, where sales is fighting against the universal laws of selling and really not serving the salespeople or the clients? Well, one of the big misconceptions that we may have grown up with is, you know, this is a lot of, a lot of people view salespeople as con artists, that they're out to get something for themselves. And there's a difference between the word pro professional sales professional and a con artist. Um, both people have amazing persuasion skills. But the main difference is the con artist is interested in what's in it for, for the con artist. Mm -hmm. And the pro is interested in helping another person get what they want. Mm. And so, so it's, where is the attention and the focus? Is it on getting or giving? And a con artist is focused on getting something and a pro is focused on giving something powerfully to another person. That, that's a really big difference. And I kind of want to lead into that because 
something that you talk about is the language we use around selling. And I know this is kind of jumping ahead in topics, but this really stood out to me. As I told you, I underlined it when I, when I was looking at the book. And it's the language around sales. A lot of times you'll hear from people, they make a sale. And when I hear make a sale, I think of a couple of things. In a, in a positive context, make a sale is I created something. Right? I made something happen. I drove it. But that is very much about doing something to the other person, right? I made the sale. I convinced them. I, you know, got them to do something. And instead, you reframe it as you receive a sale. And yes. when I think about the difference in receive versus make, that aligns with what you were just talking about, right? Of if I want to serve other people, if I want to, um, if I want to provide them with what they need, then I don't want to be a con artist. I don't want to convince them. Instead, I want to find the right people who need something and then give them the thing that they need. And then they're going to, they're going to want to buy from me. Exactly. Exactly. And you, if you think of it this way, you know, sales pros are leaders. We are leaders. We have to lead someone across the bridge to their promised land, right? So the first thing we have to do is figure out what is it that they really want and walk in their moccasins a bit and truly understand what all the issues are and what would be, you know, what it, what is it they're looking to accomplish, fix or avoid? And what will life be like for them when they reach their transformation or the order that they're trying to put where disorder exists. And when you, when you meld and make an emotional composite with that person and really understand that then, and you know, you have something that's going to help them get there. You act as you want to, you want to persuade them because it's good for them. <laughs> You're persuading them for it's good for them. And you also offer with your confidence and belief in your product, a bridge of belief so that they can make that leap for themselves and take the step forward to, to move forward in their transformation. So you act as more of the guide and just like a travel guide, if you go to Rome or to go see, you know, anything, if you've ever gotten gone with a travel guide, you know, they receive compensation for the service rendered with when they're finished. And, and that experience has been very pleasant, right? Mm -hmm. So think, you know, receiving is a result of your giving. So you give a lot up front, you know, get, get rid of the word get and make, and instead put it in, in give and receive. And if you, it's same thing, that's the same thing as your commissions. You're just receiving um, you know, a reward for service rendered, but, but mm -hmm. here's the thing service rendered. So you always put, you know, you always pay, pay everything forward. You always want to be giving always, always leaving the person with an impression of increase of some, in some way, even if you don't have the exact thing they need, you can help them or suggest places that they can go to get what they need. Once you really, really understand what it is they need. And I think that's one of the most important things you, you want to do is you want to be totally immersed and focused on them and leave yourself, you know, to the side. And when you do that and get in that passion and then you, you, you see the joy on their face when they've, they're experiencing that transformation, all that's going to do is build momentum for you to want to go do it again and again and again. And that's the spirit of selling. Absolutely. Um, 
there we go. Okay, we got on the plug of the title of the book. Um, so I'd love to hear just what are some of the ways that you see, I think we've already talked about some of this, but what are some of the things that you see happen when people are not following these universal laws? What are the behaviors that those drive in salespeople and in the people that, that are buying or maybe not buying? I've, uh, mechanics and you, it's the, it's trying to create matter from matter. Um, it's the force and when the force of the matter, matter trying to change matter as opposed to your energy causing matter, which is matter to change, which is so much more easier. Um, mm. The force is, is a, it takes you out of your power. If you, there's a great book by um, Hawkins, David Hawkins, mm-hmm. Power Versus Force. And they've actually measured the emotions, the, the, the waves and, and the you know, speed of the vibration and the emotions of feelings. And if, when you get into force, you're thinking you have to do it all by yourself. You're not aligned with spirit. You're separating, you're forcing something. You're trying to push something, like make something happen because you feel you're under your, your pressure of your survival mechanism. So let's say, you know, it's the end of the quarter and the, the board members, you know, just got through a meeting and your vice president comes out and says, Hey, we have to make this happen in the next three days. You know, that's just motivation by fear, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead, it should be, Hey, what can we create together for a customer to serve them so that, um, you know, you know, we can receive. And if, if we were focused on that creating, as opposed to trying to force something to make it happen in a certain time frame, um, we'd be in a better place. So, to think about just even the emotions that you feel when, when you're forcing things, um, it's, it's, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I see that so often. And that's such a powerful example. Just a, just a little thing, right? The manager comes back, says, we've got three more days in the quarter, make it happen. Um, and this episode is airing right at the end of the quarter. So that's <laughs> convenient. Um, what behaviors does that drive? That drives discounting. Yep. That drives pushiness that drives um, probably wasting a lot of time on somebody who's not going to end up buying because you're just kind of desperate. That mindset of scarcity, that mindset of I've got to squeeze blood from a stone and um, and get everything I can get out of this. And that's not serving your organization at all, no. right? I mean, a creating- lot of times you leave money on the table, right? Absolutely. You, cre- you leave money on the table with people that do actually um move forward with you. If you give a discount to somebody or you offer a discount to somebody at the end of the quarter and they don't pull the trigger before the end of the quarter and they come back two days into the new quarter, guess what? They still expect that discount <laughs> and okay. it's really hard not to give it to them. But then what you also see is, um, as you were saying earlier, you're potentially damaging your relationship with someone. If they are not in a place right now to buy, maybe that's because they need something that you don't offer. Or maybe it's because they might need the thing that you offer, but they can't get it right now. They don't have the the capacity to absorb it, whatever it might be. If you can gracefully accept that, maintain the relationship and continue to add value to them, it's much more likely that in future, when they are qualified and need something that you can offer, that they're going to reach out to you and they're going to be receptive and they're going to want to want to, you know, create a sale from, from their side because they value you as a partner, as opposed to feeling like you're, you know, pushy and a con artist and just, just interested in in one deal versus a relationship. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always taught like uh, in my book, I talk about bringing your ace to the game. I, you know, there's a lot of things that you can give people um, when you're selling. You're not just selling the product. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you sell one of the other misconceptions is that you're selling a product. You actually are selling the benefits of the product. But it go back a step to, you know, what can you give even if it's three days next to the quarter, you know, if you leave that person with an impression of increase because you gave them the, you know, the utmost attention, you, you appreciate them. They truly feel that there's no, that they're not under any pressure, that you're not trying to gain something to please somebody back in the back office. And you're just trying to seek and understand what's going on. And you give them consistent service, empathy, and excellence in your presentation and every every way that you interact with them you're going to build an emotional composite of trust they're going to tr trust you know know like and trust you is step number one in getting a sale right and people pick up what you put down so if you're under stress at the end of the quarter here we've got two weeks left and you're you're calling people up and you're you're under the survival you know um your survival system has been activated People are picking up on that emotion, whether you're, you're, you know, just because you're not saying it to them, like I need an order, they're picking up, picking it up emotionally from you. Mm -hmm. Your attitude field when you're interacting with people has to be coming from a place of humility and service and not from a place of, you know, force and, you know, trying to get something uh, out of fear. It, it, that's not going to work. Absolutely. And like you said, that comes out. Even if you're in person, it's going to come out in body language and facial expression and all kinds of other things. But even just on the phone, people will hear it in the tone of your voice. Um, it'll even come out a lot of times in an email, <laughs> you know, the written sure. word. You're going to find that you're going to write things a little differently when you're coming from that mindset, you know, scarcity, desperation, fear. And that's not pleasant. If you think of the worst experiences you've had as a buyer, with a salesperson, that's likely been a component behind the scenes. You know, whether it came out of them as pushiness or whether it came out of them as desperation or something else, that that underlying motivation, you know, as you're saying, the motivation, if your motivation is to help, if it's to provide service, if, if it's to create results for people, that comes out the same way. You know, okay. it, it comes out behind the scenes. It comes out in body language and facial expression, in tone. And if you come from that mindset of of contributing, that's that's such a positive thing to for people to kind of receive and to detect under the specific words that you're using. Exactly. That that leads to something that um, I think could be misconstrued, and I'd, I'd like to spend a few minutes on this because I think that's incredibly powerful concept. But um, I wanted to talk about that idea that you mentioned in your book about um, thinking about your methods versus results. And what you're not saying is the ends justify the means. <laughs> so just going to get that out there um, right away. But you do have a distinction between methods and results that I think is really powerful and something that uh, a lot of people haven't necessarily thought about. So can you explain a little bit what you mean there? Sure. Um, a lot of like, for example, I call it methods, mechanics, 
these are all things that we have done based upon past experiences. So uh, I think the biggest, starkest example I saw when I interviewed um, companies during, you know, after the pandemic or during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021 was you would have certain companies that said, well, because I can't get in the building and do what I always did in terms of how I reach people to sell to them, I can't sell anything and we're, you know, the business tanked. You had other people who said, okay, this is interesting. Uh, what's all this Zoom about? And they found a way, they got on Zoom and I, I had a, a, a company that I was working with and they actually they had one of the most successful years they've ever had in 2020 because they were able to get their reps on more calls with more customers without having to do all the driving time. And actually, you know, we still, you know, they, they sell, they did, they, they got into the spirit of the game in the spirit of the principle as opposed to the mechanics. So sometimes we get attached to things or processes that, we've done in the past because they worked in the past when circumstances change we're a little reluctant to go out into that mm -hmm. unknown or that uncomfortable place but if we we come back down to the spirit of what selling is is how can i reach this person and gain their attention because i have something that i really think that they can benefit from based upon what they're doing you know etc so you have to get their attention and if you you start thinking about how you can serve them and what are you selling? What's the benefit and a way to say that, to get their attention. And then you get on, you know, say, how can we meet and discuss this? And maybe it's going to be a phone. Maybe it's going to be a zoom. Um, maybe they will have a way to, to have you come into the, the, the organization, but the, it's the attachment that, that trips us up when you get attached to something that is based upon past experiences, you're tied in the past and you're not in the curious um, curiosity phase of the present, the wonderment, like a, a kid going on a field trip for the first time and you get up, dressed up at school and, and you know, mom's so excited because the kid's dressed and ready to go at 8 a.m. because he's going on, going on a new adventure. It's, you know, kind of how you look at things. But the selling principles of serving, what do they, what is it they want to accomplish, fix and avoid? How can I help them? How can I get their attention? How can I, you know, even if they don't want to hear from me and I know it's going to help them, how else can I get their attention? Maybe through another person or whatever, because you're just passionate about what you're doing and you know that you could serve someone powerfully with your, what you have. So principle methods versus results what's the result you're trying to make a difference in somebody's life right the methods of how you do that don't get attached to that just get attached to the result and then be in the present with curiosity and wonder and get into the spirit of it and try a couple new things and you'll be surprised how your world will open up because opportunities are always everywhere you just have to be looking for them Absolutely. I think the, the COVID example is really powerful because obviously that's um, unfortunately still quite timely and, and people are thinking about that. You know, I had clients that I spoke to who had gotten all of their leads for years and years and years of trade shows and suddenly yep. trade shows weren't happening. And yep. it was just, uh, what do we do? <laughs> and first of all, you should never have um, gotten so locked in to one method. That's, you know, but hindsight 2020, let's, let's, let's focus on instead what you can do. And as you said, that 
that curiosity, that wonderment, that willingness to try new things and not to give up too quickly, but also not to, you know, try something and keep, keep, keep trying beating your head against the wall if it's not going to work. And just having an appropriate level of focus on trying new things, on evaluating success of different initiatives, on potentially as a whole team, you know, having this group is going to try really focusing on social media. This group is going to really try focusing on email. This one is going to create virtual events, whatever it might be. Um, you need that that curiosity, that engagement. And as you said, if you're focused so much on, well, this is how we meet people. This is the method that we use. What's the result that you're looking for? Well, we want to connect with people who have these concerns. Okay, well, how else can you do that? And that really does drive a lot of powerful questioning, which is going to drive actions. So that's that's such a great example. Yeah, I think I think the big key, if I you know um, would say, to, is to just ask yourself, how can I stop mm-hmm. at, stop saying why you can't? And if you keep asking yourself, but how can I? But how can I? But how can I? The ideas will come. Absolutely. One question I always tell coaches to ask, um, and this is such a it's a stupid question, but what else? Because so often somebody will come up with an idea. And then they just kind of sit back on their laurels and you, you know, pat them on the head and they move forward and they've got one idea. And as soon as you start to ask what else, right, or a mm. question like yours, but how can I, then you're, you're opening up a sense of possibility. You're opening up that sense of creativity that gets really locked down when you get honed in on just one answer or one method. Yeah. As we're talking, I was just even thinking, it's almost like, you know, just remember the power of an open probe versus a closed probe, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? I mean, when you open and get scope, you get so much more information and and possibility, like you said, is infinite. Absolutely. And something that I, I really see coming out in your work is just an idea, and I know we've kind of touched on this, but I want to continue to hone in on it, of, of sales as service and sales as helping and contributing. And I think for some people selling some things, that might be easier to understand than others, right? If I'm selling medical equipment, well, my equipment is going to help people save lives, right? But maybe I'm selling something like salt. I know you had a, a period of time in your career where you sold salt, um, or mm-hmm. you're selling you know, widgets of some sort, you know, I sell bolts. And I'd like to have a little bit of a conversation on how do you apply these universal laws of selling when you're selling something that doesn't feel like it really lives up to that, that contribution, that desire to, to help people receive value. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what what you're saying is based upon your perception of what you're selling, you don't you don't feel that way. So I would encourage you to say, what other kind of perception can I have and what am I really selling? Mm. Because no one is ever buying your product for the product. Everything in your closet you bought because of how you it makes you feel when you got dressed up in those clothes that you picked up or the car that you're driving and when you drove it out of the the lot and you picked it out, you know, um, it was because it was going to serve you in some way for some benefit. It wasn't because it was a metal, you know, thing with four wheels or something like (laughs) that. Right. And so I would say, you know, all those things are important. Even when I sold salt, um, you know, salt, this salt was being used to make capacitors that were going into electronics and 
computers and phones and, you know, different things like that. So everything has a purpose. And if you love what you're doing and you can realize how that product, you know, when, like when I sold the salt, it wasn't the salt that, that uh, I was selling. I was selling, dealing with a company that they could have a relationship with for a good supply chain to make their product um, successful and have less hassle, for example. So it really, I think um, all, everybody needs different things for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Connect with the why you're in business, connect with how you support the, how you can support many more people and what your product does, what it, what it, what you're really selling, as opposed to looking at the product for just what it is on a material basis. That's that's such a great way to think about it. You know that that car example. If we were just focused on the what instead of the why, we would all be well. I don't drive, but we would all be driving. You know, gray boxes with with wheels that just performed. And instead, there's right. a reason that people buy the red shiny one versus the white one. And there's a reason that people buy the big one that fits all their friends and family when they want to go on an adventure versus the the one that you know can just fit a couple of people and have a have a fun, crazy, fast drive around places safely, of course. And the 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 feeling that something gives you, the result that it provides, it can be so powerful. You know, as you said, salt might seem a little bit um, boring of a thing to sell, but if you're selling confidence in a supply chain, if you're selling confidence in the quality of the product that I'm going to produce, because I know that the inputs are, you know, are, are they're meeting our standards when it comes to safety, when it comes to, you know, purity, whatever that might be, that's a whole lot more interesting for you and for your buyer than if you're just saying, you know, our salt is the saltiest salt, our widgets are right. the <laughs> widgets, you know, um, but it's, a, it's a very different feeling in, in that engagement. Yes. And, and really what's your, you know, attitude, you know, one of the, laws of the universe is the law of polarity and your your attitude is so powerful it's your energy field it's the combination of your thoughts feelings and actions and you can always look for you know polarity and opposites exist always where your attention goes the energy flows and so you've got to start looking at what is the good where's the good what and and really expand on that and when you do you'll latch on to something very powerful that you can pass, pass on to others. And then when that attitude's in the right place, your attitude and your belief in the product, those are your two superpowers. Boy, when those are aligned with universal law, look out, you're, <laughs> you're going to be an unstoppable force of nature. Definitely. Um, all right. We, we've been talking a lot about, um, kind of that, that foundation, the, what we would call it criteria for success, the philosophy, um, mm -hmm. the mindset. Um, and I know that this, as you said, you've said a couple of times, you know, this underlines mechanics. You don't necessarily have to prescribe specific mechanics, specific methods, but I would love to maybe pull out what are some key practices that sales leaders and teams can implement if they're buying in on this philosophy, if they're saying, yeah, you know what, we're not very aligned with the universal laws of selling. What are, are the things that they can do to begin to implement this in their organizations? I think one of the big things that we all have to realize 
is that we're uh, our beliefs in our environment are two of the biggest habitual behaviors that we have. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to realize that what you've been doing has not been working, the first thing I would say is to open your mind and realize that number one, beliefs are all based upon your past experiences Mm. and allow yourself to consciously, and most of those beliefs you, you got unconsciously allow yourself as an organization to accept some new ideas. Mm. And that's, that's paramount. And typically the, the frequency change that causes you to allow yourself to make a, make a new idea is decision. I guarantee you, anyone that's listening to this podcast, you can remember the time when you made a decision in your life that changed it. Mm-hmm. You can see where you were, what happened. You pulled a ripcord and you said, that's it, no more, or that's it, I'm going for this, whatever it was. And the day you, you did that, you allowed yourself to accept a new idea and not be tied to your past. So if you're not getting the results you want, I always start by saying, you know, almost like an attitude gauge on a scale one to 10 to the positive where I want it and on a scale of one to 10 in the negative side of where I don't want it and see if my results are not where I want them to be, what belief am I holding on to that's blocking me from getting what I want? Because Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there's a belief under there, an idea you accepted it as, as true at the time you accepted it. You have the power to accept any idea you accepted either unconsciously or consciously, but you accepted it and you've been living, living out, you know, if your results are staying where they are and they're not moving, it's because you're tied to that belief. So how is it serving you and what's it costing you Mm. and look at it and just allow yourself to do an evaluation. I'm not saying you have to change it, but even the thought sometimes, do you ever see people on work and, you know, we get into defending our beliefs, right? (laughs) So if you're willing to accept some new ideas and look at beliefs that your corporate culture has and say, okay, how does that serve us and what's it costing us? And people that are getting the results we want, what idea are they accepting that we're rejecting Mm. or what, or what idea are they rejecting that we're accepting is true. Mm. So that's, that's the start is the beliefs. And then it's the environment you know, as a team leader, you know, if you can, you, you've got to get engagement from the top down and the bottom up to get people around the new idea and lead. The leaders need to lead with that idea and create an environment where that new belief can be nurtured and built up. And then, you know, the old idea replaced with the new idea. But step one has got to be looking at those beliefs and allowing yourself to accept some new ideas and evaluate some new ideas. That's that's such a powerful step. And as you said, there is always, um, you might call it a context, you might call it a culture, um, but it's a belief. There's, there's something that's underlying 
uh, every action that you take, everything that you think, oh, it won't work. Well, why do you think that? What What is making you think that? As you said, what are our competitors? <laughs> you know, what do they believe that we don't believe? And if you can, as you said, even just evaluating that, even naming it, you're automatically making a change. It's our it's our unconscious uh, ability to you know to to subconsciously and unconsciously be driven by those beliefs. That's one of the things that causes problems. And as soon as you take a step back and you even recognize that it exists, you're at least doing something. And that's I think a really powerful thing to recognize. It can seem overwhelming, but just asking those questions is going to really change the way leaders and teams approach selling. Yes, and what you just described is you're you're increasing your conscious awareness. Mm. And that's the game. We're always in a state of wanting to, you know, if you're always in a state wanting to increase your conscious awareness, and like you said, being able to recognize it as step one, that's a huge step forward. Absolutely. Because you're not on you're not on autopilot anymore, mm-hmm. like blind and oblivious. Yeah. And that's where we spend a lot of our time. Um, And then something else that I wanted to hone in on, because I have seen this happen so many times. Um, You mentioned the environment, and it's from leaders down to every individual on a team. I can't tell you how many times I've seen where an individual team, maybe there's one region or there's one group of some sort, implements um, a new method of doing things because they've had that realization. They've they've changed their mindset. They've, they've been open to a new idea. And then somebody else comes in, a lot of times senior to them, hasn't been a part of that discovery, and they stomp it right down. And it's really easy for especially senior leaders to undercut a lot of this work if they're not involved in the process. And it's something that I think is a reminder to both parties in that situation. First of all, if you're if you're starting to have these transformational conversations in your team, how do you engage and loop in others, you know, other teams, other departments, more senior people so that they can be a part of the conversation? But then also, if you're a senior leader and you're coming in and you're seeing people doing things differently, to have the patience, to have the the curiosity to ask, why are you making that change? Why are you doing that differently from the way I thought we've always done it? Um, instead of just coming in and saying no. <laughs> and right. it's, a, it's a really different approach for, for all of those parties involved. I, I think we, you know, as a, as a leader and a manager, I think we have responsibilities to manage up and manage down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, gaining alignment or sharing information. And if you do get challenged, um, say, Hey, you know, having the courage to stand up and just say, Hey, why, why would you want to revert back to this? Um, you know, and again, maybe challenge that person to say, if we're focused on results, not methods, and I'm getting results, why, you know, does it really matter how we get there? It's almost like a kid that, you know, you you tell your child to clean up their room Mm -hmm. and you might have a way of cleaning it, starting on the right side and going to the left or whatever it is, right? Some method that you're used to, but as long as it gets clean, it enables the person, you know, the people doing the work to be empowered 
And as leaders, I think we want everyone to be empowered. We don't want to have to spell out how we have to do something to someone. Um, and so I, I think take responsibility when, you know, when you, when you do implement, obviously if something like that happened, that, that person would has a lot of, um, initiative and creativity and they were creating something new that works. And when they got questioned, um, you know, I think it's the confidence to come back and just be curious what maybe curious, same thing, curious and wonder to the person up above, what is the attachment to the old way? Mm. And, you know, and, and questioning it, you know, I'm just curious, what, what is it about the old way that makes you feel, because they're tied to it based upon a belief or something that happened in the past, right? Absolutely. And what I'm really hearing coming out, and this is, I think, so incredibly important, this is not, I'm just asking questions, um, that's not really <laughs> just asking questions, right? This is that open, honest curiosity that you're really looking to discover. And if, again, it's it's all the way back to selling is happening all the time, right? Um, yes. You getting senior leadership to buy in on a big change you want to make is selling. And if sure. you are coming from a mindset of, I want to contribute, I want to help, I want to be a part of something bigger, that's going to come out. And that's going to come out in the way that you ask that question and drive a much more powerful result than if you're coming from a mindset of, no, I just want to win. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, I feel like we could keep talking forever and ever and ever because <laughs> I've definitely aligned on a lot of this, but I've got a couple questions I always like to ask at the end. So um, the first question is, do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners that could be books or podcasts or videos or anything else? Oh, uh, yes. I have. I mean, I read a lot of books. Um, I, some of my favorites are, uh, there's a book called The Mastery of Self by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And he talks a lot in here about, you know, how we get domesticated and attachments. So if you're just starting on your mindset journey of how do I apply some of these universal laws and mindset and understand kind of why I'm programmed and conditioned the way I am. It's a great book. Uh, there's another one, you know, I'm big into meditation. Um, I, I listen to like Dr. Joe Dispenza a lot. Um, he talks about being supernatural and, and, but anyway, this, this whole get yourself calm in a calm place. There's a great book called the untethered soul, the journey mm -hmm. beyond yourself. And it really gets you into recognizing how your conscious awareness, which is what we talked about, um, you know, you need to be able to be in a calm place and, and observe things and know that you're not your thoughts. You, you're a soul that you, you know, you have thoughts, you can utilize thoughts, make ideas, but the thoughts are not you. Mm. And he talks about like sitting in a movie theater and just observing and my goodness, being sales pros that we are, um, observations are very powerful for active listening and everything. So it's a great book to read. Uh, there's another one by Neville Goddard called The Power of Awareness. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing book. Um, to, it really to help you awaken your imagination. And the more you awaken your imagination and get good at um, visualizing your future, you're going to be really powerful in your selling career in helping people visualize theirs. Because when we activate desire, that's what's going to make the sale. When that desire gets so hot that we're going to 
get them to want to act on that more than anything else, that's when you're going to get the action and the movement through your sales funnel. Excellent book. And then um, Bob Proctor himself wrote a book called You Were Born Rich, which uh, is just, mm -hmm. just an amazing book. So those are the ones. All right. I think our listeners may have quite a reading list after that conversation. But I, I, yes, love that I have a reading list on my website, too, so you can download. <laughs> kind of has a little explanation under the why I like the book. So it might be helpful if you're looking All for right. some good books. Well, that leads into my next question, which is if listeners are interested after hearing you talk today and want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find you? Um, I have two. I, my book's website is www.thespiritofselling.com and everything about the book and how to get the book and all that is on there. There's some some downloads if you buy the book um, for some special tips and tools that are on there. And then my website is www. 3x5coaching.com and all of my resources are there and information on my coaching packages and, and training services. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Rhonda. I really appreciate your time and uh, the wisdom that you've shared with me and with our listeners. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the experience, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything we've been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 339. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend this to a friend. That is the best way to help more people discover it. And if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do that as well. That way you get every new episode as soon as it goes up. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening. We love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us if you've got questions, if you've got feedback, guest suggestions, anything like that, podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ryland Sylvester. Happy selling!